Good morning, everybody. How are you all? I didn't hear that. How are you all? But now, I've, now I've got your attention. <laughs> Good morning to all you uh, who are out there listening in on the airwaves. Great to have you. How are you? Pardon? I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're feeling good. We we're going to have a great time with the Lord this morning, uh, and not only do we want to see Him, what a lovely, lovely um, uh, song to open with, but we want to see Him together. I don't want to see Him without you, and I don't want you to see Him without me. It's a shared experience. So, isn't that wonderful? Well, I'm so I'm Dave. I'm one of the leadership team here, and uh, it's really great to be given the opportunity of uh, speaking God's Word uh, into God's Word this morning. What a word! I tell you, I could be here, and so could you, if you're still here with me, uh, <laughs> till this time next week. It's packed full of it, isn't it? So we won't look at every little single thing, but we're, there's got enough there for us to get into. Today we are looking at our last the last of our ministry series in 1 Peter. The main theme has been living hope. Uh, and uh, 1 Peter 5, which ends our series, is about feeding. And it's titled, Look After Each Other. But I have unfinished business left over from 1 Peter 2, from the last time in, uh, when I ministered, which opens with growing and could be entitled, look after yourself, look after each other, look after yourself. So you can see they really go very nicely together. But before we can grow, 1 Peter 2 and verse 1 tells us that we must rid ourselves of the things that hinder growth. Maybe some of the things that stuck to us in that slimy pit that uh, David was talking to us about earlier. There are five of these things that we must rid us of. Um, that are listed in verse 1. Uh, and they are malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. It's not all inclusive, but it's easy to see that with these sins on our minds and in our lives, it would make reading and applying the Word of God extremely difficult. And reading the Word of God is an indispensable part of spiritual growth. If we don't engage in it and commit to it, then we will just stagnate. So we need to rid ourselves of these sins in order to hear what Scripture has to say to us. It's a good practice, I find, uh, that before we open uh, out the Word, we come to the Lord in prayer. I don't know if you're in the habit of doing that, but if you're not, I think it's a good thing to try it. Just close your eyes or whatever you're going to do and just come to the Lord in prayer and ask him to forgive, first of all, the things that would hinder us that are in our lives and then to bless us in our reading. Good practice. 1 Peter 2 verse 2 says, Like newborn babes crave the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your responsibility. What is that telling us? It's saying that it's our responsibility to grow. Some people think it's an optional extra. It's our responsibility to grow. Uh, and it's the most natural thing, if we think of babies, they always want feeding. Uh, they don't have to be taught about that. Um, go a little past their lunch break, and they will soon let you know about it. A little baby was crying very loudly one day, going on 
and on and on. You know the sort of thing? No. Well, you've been very fortunate. <laughs> so John asked his mum, where did you get him from? His mum said, well, he came from heaven, of course. John says, yeah, well, I think I can see why they threw him out. <laughs> A passenger called the flight attendant uh, and asked if they could change their seat. Why, said the flight attendant, I want to get away from this baby next to me that's crying so loudly and non-stop. I'm sorry, I can't do that, said the flight attendant. Why? Well, not when it's your baby. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, if your babe's in Christ today, if you're a young believer, uh, no one's going to throw you out. And no one is going to move away from you. You're very welcome uh, to be here with us and you who are watching in. But 1 Peter 2 uh, and 3 tells us that the desire to grow is all to do with having tasted that the Lord is good. In last week or so, we've had the sinner's prayer brought to our attention twice. Uh, And if anyone did ask the Lord Jesus into their life then... Uh, then they could have had that experience of feeling or tasting his presence. Interesting thing to think about this. Tasting is something that is discernible, something that you can feel. It is possible not only to know about God, but as we've often said here, it is possible to know him, to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus. Hence, tasting and knowing that the Lord is good. So having begun to grow, can a baby switch off the process and stop growing? No. But some Christians do say the sinner's prayer and understand that they're born again and then stop right there. Which is a bit sad, really, because they've just received uh, an understanding from God himself, who he is, and they've asked him into their lives. uh, And then they say, thank you very much, And stop there. Hebrews 5 verse 12 says, By now you should have grown, but you haven't. By this time, in actual fact, you ought to be teachers, (coughs) but you're not. In fact, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of God. These people don't seem to have had a desire to go on from the first principles of God's word and build on them. In fact, they needed to relearn the elementary facts of faith again. Now, I've put up four of these elementary facts, which are, number one, Jesus is the divine Son of God. Died on the cross to forgive us our sins. Number two, in him we have eternal life. And number four, he rose again on the fourth days. These are the basic elementary facts of faith. And if you've asked Jesus into your life and been a Christian in a little while, you should all have known known these truths. It seems incredible to me for those who have found them to lose them. But some had. They had back here in this day. And amazingly, there are some today who meet together proclaiming themselves to be Christians who have lost some or all of those four elementary principles of God. Incredible, isn't it? The established church, of course, doesn't recognise them as being genuine, but would see them as being a sect, uh, embracing false doctrines. If 
some of those four elementary facts are missing, you're in trouble. They are elementary to faith. I urge each and every one of you to pick up God's word and read it, to build on the basic understanding that has been given to you when you first asked Jesus into your life. Not submit to the devil's lies. After all, he would say, there are 66 books in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers, plus 62 others. I could have gone through them then, but I thought, well, let's keep it, let's keep it tight. Plus 62 others. And, or he, the devil could say to you, oh, it's too difficult for me to understand. He does use these temptations and doubts uh, uh, to put into our minds. Um, and it's all rubbish. You don't have to read the Bible all in one day, you'll be relieved to hear. Uh, there, and there are some great and easy reading pamphlets that you can have uh, to get you started. I did have some. All oh, right, here we go. So the first example I was going to show you was uh, this one. It's about praying. It's great. It's got all little, in, little uh, examples here of how people have prayed and what people think. And it's, it's really good to keep you thinking and uh, keep you focusing on the Lord Jesus. The other one we've got here, and you can have this if you want it. Uh, there's a number of them here. It's called Daily Bread. And all this does is give you one reading of uh, one verse a day, uh, and that is great to get you started. I can tell you um, that if you want to have a bit of time off from all that slimy pit stuff that's going around in your mind, then getting into the Word of God for five or ten minutes a day gives you a break. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've experienced it when you're driving, um, but um, sometimes when you're really tired pulling over, which is what you should do, to the side of the road, to a, a lay-by or something, just shutting your eyes for five or ten minutes, you wake up feeling much, much better, and you can carry on your journey. Well, it's kind of like that when you get into God's Word. It switches off all of these slimy pit experiences and gives you ten minutes rest or whatever from those issues. Uh, it's great because it resuscitates you and uh, you can get up and go on feeling much better. I urge each and every one to pick up God's word and read it and build on that basic understanding that God has given you at the beginning of your faith and not to submit to the devil's lies. Um, right, so please ask for these pamphlets and we will give them to you. Some of them might come with a willing helper. I don't know, but if you really, really want to get into the Word of God, I can sure, I, I'm sure we can find you um, a booklet and a person. Um, I remember when I started to learn some scripture verses, when I was about 17, I was 17 once. When I was about 17... Um, and I'm not very good at learning things, I'm afraid to say. And I, I got three or four verses under my belt. Oh, I was so pleased. Three or four verses. I tell you this, that God used those three or four verses over and over and over again. So don't ever think it's not worth it, uh, because it most certainly is. God's got the capacity to, learn, to use what we've got. Um, and that's what cuts it. You might not have everything, but whatever you've got, if you give it to God, God will use it, and that will cut it. 
There's an aspect of God's word that when drip-fed by regular reading, it builds up not only knowledge, but also relationship. After time, we can surprise ourselves at just how much we've got closer to God in and just how much we know. And I know, like I've been listening to um, a message or something, and someone says something, and something comes into my mind, oh yeah, I read about that the other day. It's amazing. And, and we don't think about it normally, but God brings it to the fore, and we realise it's been going in. Pick up your Bible. It washes over us in a very remarkable way. All right, but where is all this leading to? Well, our example in Hebrews 5, 12 and 14, says that feeding on meat, milk leads to meat. So as you feed on God's word, you grow. And that is echoed in 1 Peter chapter 2. Knowledge of the first principles becomes understanding. And eventually we begin to mature. Yay, the baby's going to stop crying. We begin to mature in our Christian faith. There's always more to learn. Always. I don't think that we'll ever learn it all. Uh, And it would make God that much smaller if we could. The Bible says that understanding God surpasses knowledge. So you're not going to learn it all. But get on with learning what you can. God is greater than our ability to learn. Our growth is a work in progress. I hope it's continuing progress. Each step becomes more exciting. It does, really. Honestly. And it's up to you how much you're going to grow. It's your responsibility, but God gives you a free will. Uh, And we can and do make choices. Our choices will reflect just how much God will reveal of himself to us. I'll say that again. Our choices in terms of wanting to grow will reflect just how much God will reveal himself to us. After all, as our knowledge of God grows, so does our responsibility very important uh, uh, understanding to to get to that. As our knowledge of God grows, so does our responsibility. If God shows us things about himself and we don't respond, then we'd be in danger of hypocrisy or blasphemy. So best that God withholds something of himself rather than allowing us to be drawn in over our heads. God is wonderful. He's so understanding. Uh, and blesses us wherever we are. But it's all available to us. Now, I'm only going to read one of these verses uh, um, in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 1.17, it's all available uh, to us. 17 to 19 of Ephesians 1 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, may give unto you, give unto you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is or uh, inspiring. It really is amazing stuff. That your eyes may be enlightened, not to where you think you can learn and understand, but to where he will take you through the Holy Spirit if you open that word. It is amazing stuff. That you may know, get your head around this, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the richness of his inheritance. In that sentence, it's amazing what is contained in that sentence that you may know, not that you may learn about. This is God revealing something of himself to you through the Holy Spirit, that you may know what is the hope of his calling 
and the richness of his inheritance in the saints. That's us, we're the saints. Um, and, and what is the greatness of his power? Miss out the next verse. Go on to 1 Peter 2 verse 9 that tells us we can come to understand that we are a royal priesthood. Ooh, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So if you're tempted to feel you're not much good as a Christian, a bit of a failure and all that, if the devil's doubts have, 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 have had an effect on you, um, then remember, Peter says here, you are a member of a royal priesthood and you're part of a holy nation. That's not up for question. That is what God is telling you you are. It doesn't sound much like failure, does it? And that's because it's in Christ Jesus. You are complete success in him. His level of perfection you have taken on. When you asked him into your lives, when you were born again, you took on his level of perfection. That's why it's called being born again. Things change. We become new. We take on his, not our, level of perfection. It's Jesus who has evaluated you. Not somebody that is a minister where, uh, or some clever clogs in the church um, that is speaking to you. Uh, they don't evaluate you. Jesus evaluates you. You are what he says you are. Okay? It's a matter of believing and receiving. And as we close this section of 1 Peter, I urge you to look at yourself through heaven's eyes. You've heard what the Lord, how the Lord evaluates you as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation. That's looking at yourself through heaven's eyes. Take it, receive it, and Lord, learn more about it. I'm not who I say I am. I am who he says I am. And you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen nation. Um, it'd be good. Oh, it's almost got you to get you to say it all but i guess that's the holy spirit's uh, well i think that's the holy spirit's bit don't you to just bring it in 1 peter 5 verse 2 um uh, you'll be pleased now to know that we're on to 1 peter 5 um uh, 1 and 2 opens with an exhortation to the elders to feed the flock that is among you not under you here we have not only an exhortation to feed but the clear and definite instructions of how to do it. Not by constraint, giving in to someone who is trying to persuade another to become an elder, sort of one arm up your back job. You know, so many people think they know what's good for us and where we should be going. And I, I don't de decry that, but there ought to be that openness to come to Christ in prayer and let him make the decisions. Um, so it's not by constraint, giving up to someone uh, and someone's persuasion. Uh, that's no reason to become an elder. You could become an elder uh, willingly in response to a calling as the Lord lays it on your heart. Another reason for us to be in the word, to get into understand God, so we know how to do these things when we need to do them. Um, back then, eldership was a paid position. Uh, and a financial gain, we are told, is definitely wrong. And no incentive to base eldership on. Uh, but rather, eagerly and sincerely, because you want to serve God, 
and care for those he has placed with you. It's a reason for becoming an elder. Eldership is not an, uh, it, sorry, eldership is an anointing. It is not an appointed. Eldership is God-breathed, not humanly achieved. Elders in verse 3 are told to be, not to be domineering, but good examples of the flock. Shepherding is the example used here. Eastern shepherds, I'm sure many of you know, used to lead the flock. They were out in front of them, showing them the way to go. No need for dogs to drive them. The sheep would follow willingly. You can still see it if you go out that way. So elders should be out ahead of the church in all that they do. This is a whiter-than-white principle. Then the church will follow their examples and seek to do likewise. So the leadership cascades the spiritual values downwards. There's no need for spiritual rock riders. No need at all. The sheep see their example and take it on board. Oh, by the way, it's all right for elders to slip up now and again. (laughs) They are human after all. And the good book says quite a lot about human weakness uh, and has quite a lot to say about restoration as well. Um, Did I detect a sigh of relief from half a dozen people (laughs) around the room? We need to support our elders in both our prayers, but not only in our prayers, in our conduct as well. Their task isn't always an easy one. I'd like to broaden out the aspect of feeding the flock. 1 Peter 5, we have said, speaks of the flock that is among you. And in, that, to me, that implies interaction. And all born-again Christians have a part in working alongside eldership. James 5, 19 and 20 gives an example there of a brother or sister in Christ coming alongside a fellow Christian who is struggling. And there's plenty of opportunity in that direction, isn't there? We've all struggled at times and we've all needed someone to come alongside us. And so this fellow Christian that comes alongside, uh, it helps them back to faith. Get some people you really trust in, in the church, who you really can respect and... uh, Perhaps you should go alongside them as well as them getting alongside you. We see this working out in different church activities all the time. And around the tables in the cafe, if you stay afterwards, this principle will be at work. People coming alongside want not only pleased to see you, but wanting to be involved with you as much as you feel that you want them to be involved. Um, after, so it must always be done, we're told in, uh, in 1 Peter 5, in a spirit of humility. A spirit of humility. With humility on both sides, there's no losers. Did you know that? If humility isn't on both sides, you've got problems. So we both have a responsibility to be humble uh, when we come alongside each other. Um, without, uh, without humility humility, um, then like faith, it's impossible to please God. So maybe if you're not having much success in speaking to somebody, um, then um, perhaps there's a bit of humility need to be thrown into the mix. I should mention here that one-to-one situations, the church model has always been male-to-male, female-to-female, for obvious reasons. The eldership, of course, have the added responsibility of leadership. 
not to be snuffed at or sniffed at. Uh, and they're always on hand to be called alongside us, as are their wives. Isn't that interesting? So the eldership uh, have uh, uh, wives who would be willing to become part of any uh, ministry uh, to each other or to others. Um, and they can give clarity and teaching uh, the elders and their wives where needed. Now, there's a little bonus for the elders here, found in 1 Peter 5 and verse 4. That's nice, isn't it? Um, where it says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall re- re- receive a clown. A clown. Uh, I hope there's not more. I hope there's not much truth spoken in jest. Uh, you shall re- receive a crown of glory that never fades. This is not a reason for becoming an elder, but it is a consequence of it. We have a great team of elders, and this church is greatly blessed by them. Verse 5 brings an instruction to the young. It reads differently according to which translation you've got in front of you. So I've looked at five different translations of this verse. Two of them refer to young men, instructions to the young, uh, and this could be, could, could be because the passage is addressed to elders, and elders were men. So perhaps there's an elders in training aspect here. I don't know. But I like the other three versions, which, says, which just say, to you who are young, or addresses himself to younger members, which I find much more inclusive. So what is the instruction given? You must submit to the elders. I know we don't like that, but this instruction is given in all five versions that I've read. The issue here uh, is that there are many different aspects to submission. Uh, And uh, the one I like, the translation I like, gives this uh, rendition. The younger ones should serve willingly to support the elders. I like that. I like that. Because it brings in an aspect of involvement of younger ones. We have a Saturday church, morning church here in the cafe, and it's on the Zoom as well. And yesterday, Fraser, I don't know how old Fraser is, I guess he's uh, 16, 17, any advance on that? A young man in the church, and uh, he um, participated in the Zoom yes, uh, yesterday, um, supporting willingly what was going on. I loved it. So if you're out there, Fraser, good on you, man. Carry on. We're listening. Um, why? Um, that, inv- that involves the younger one, the younger ones. Uh, but there is an age gap, um, so I'm told, um, and it's something that has often divided the youth in the church from those who are older. It's a two-way thing. The older may not always understand the younger, and the younger may not always want to listen to the older. But it's the content of what is said that's important not the age of the speaker. Well done, Fraser. Um, Because what he said was spot on. So here in verse 5, there is benefit to both the older and the younger in working together. The elder leading by example and the younger being included and coming alongside with all willingness. They support and serve each other in a spirit of humility. Humility is the key. Remember, with humility on both sides, there are no losers. Uh, In every relationship, humility is the key, both inside and outside of the church. 
It's the oil that keeps everything going. Um, without humility, we're simply left with pride. And where pride is predominant, everything very quickly grinds to a halt. We are told by both James and Peter that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So without humility, it's not possible to please God. Verse 6, we're nearly there, folks. Verse 6 expands the thought of humility by challenging us not only to be humble in our attitude to each other, but also to to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Take his way over ours and live our lives as closely to his example as we can. Following it up in verse 7, casting all your care upon him, because he cares for you. This we are repeatedly encouraged to do throughout the pages of the New Testament, casting all your care upon him. All I would add to this, because we're quite good at doing that, so I would add one thing to it, which is that we should include the little worries as well as the big ones. Um, I find that talking to Jesus about the little worries actually brings a lovely sense of intimacy. Even cares about that. He even wants to share in that. I can understand him wanting to share in the big things, but he wants to share in the small things. He wants to share in everything. As we close, in verse 8 and 9 of chapter 5, um, it's all about holding on to what we've got. Maybe we haven't looked at it in this sense before, but it's all about holding on to what we've got and not being robbed of what we have learned. I'll read this most important piece of scripture. By the way, anyone that has been saying to themselves, I am who you say I am, has really sopped it to the devil. And I like that. He is trembling when he hears those words, especially when the people that say them believe them. He doesn't like that at all. Give him, give him one this morning. <laughs> so, not being robbed of what we have learned. So I'll read uh, the scripture in Philips. Be self-controlled and vigilant. For your enemy, the devil, is always prowling about like a lion, roaring for its prey. And this is deadly serious. He is even now. Even, being in church doesn't stop that. He is even now. Resist the devil. By doing that, he can't erode the understanding that we have gained. James 4, 7 and 8. Submit yourself to God and the devil will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Two promises. Submit, the, submit yourself to God and the devil will. You have authority over him in Christ Jesus. The devil will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Final promise in verse 10. God will restore, establish and strengthen you in Christ Jesus, both now and for all eternity.